My name is Dr. Tram Jones, and since 2019, my wife and I have been living in Haiti. This is the story of our life there and the patients we've seen. Today, I saw an eight-year-old named Estelle. Her face was chubby, but in a good way. Her cheeks showing faint old healing spots of excess pigmentation and cuts. But with each visit, I had seen that this had become more and more difficult to see. As she sat up, she started to giggle and babble, like any normal child. But Estelle's story is not normal, and it is not all sunshine. The fading marks on her face, the only visible signs of a tragic recent past. I have known Estelle for three months. Her care has been a roller coaster. For now, she is stable, but there are many more challenges on the horizon. I want to tell her story as an introduction to orphan care in Haiti. In December, I received a call from our community health worker, Ira. He was coming from the village of Kroshu. Over the phone, he told me that a week earlier, he had found a swollen boy suffering from malnutrition. This is a condition known as kwashiorkor, the classic swelling we see in starvation. It is an appallingly commonplace occurrence in mountain villages. Ira had started treatment for the child with food supplements and came back to check on him. When he returned, he entered the house and found another little girl, one that he didn't know about. She was very malnourished, much more than her brother. He told me he was bringing the father, son, and daughter down the mountain in his car. When the father arrived, we sat down with him in the open-air waiting room. Little Estelle was five months old. When she was three months old, her mother had died. This is a common problem. I've talked about it before. Women are the backbone of Haitian society. When a baby loses the mother, frequently the child will also die. Not only is the mother the child's primary caregiver, but the mother is also the source of milk. At this point, two months after her mother's death, the child was doing poorly. She was covered in sores from her feet to her abdomen and face. Her body had the puffiness of kwashiorkor. We needed to hospitalize her. I spoke with the father and arranged a family member to care for the other child while Estelle was in the hospital. But then the father said the phrase that we hate to hear. He wanted to put Estelle in an orphanage. Without his wife, he said he could not care for her. The orphan problem in Haiti is massive and complex. Amongst aid workers in the country, no subject is more controversial. At the root of the issue is that most orphans in Haiti are not orphans in the sense that we Americans would expect. Sadly, the vast majority, 80% according to the government, are so-called poverty orphans. They have at least one living parent, but the parent is not able to care for them, usually due to a lack of money. While we at the clinic are not an orphanage, and we never will be, we see many orphans come through our doors. For example, earlier this year, a mother had come to the clinic with two very malnourished twin boys. They were similarly covered in sores, and the mother stated that she could not care for them. Our clinic administration met with her and provided her with food for several days and asked her to return later that week. We hoped that we could give the mother enough time to meet with her family and keep the children. We went upstairs at the clinic for some paperwork, and by the time we returned, the mother was gone, leaving her two sons. Her two children are now living in an orphanage close to the clinic. Orphanages in Haiti are often difficult places to grow up. No matter how great the staff, growing up outside of a family is not the same. Further, most orphanages are unregulated and unregistered with the government, meaning there's little oversight. International adoption is a possible venue to help, but only 130 children of the roughly 30,000 living in orphanages in 2019 were adopted. And yet, at times, the alternative can be even worse. In Haiti, when families are unable to care for children, the alternative to an orphanage is to send them to another family. These children are referred to as restivex. 
It comes from the French rest avec, which means to stay with. Some of these children are treated well and given education, albeit usually treated as second class in the family. However, a large percentage end up as child servants, working for the family with no education and no prospects once they grow up. Many end up on the streets of Port-au-Prince. The long-term answer appears to be economic recovery for the family so that they have the ability to care for their own children. And this should be coupled with the availability of birth control for families that are interested. For Estelle, we told her father that we would readdress the issue once she was out of the hospital. We hospitalized her for five days, much shorter than I would prefer, but the family member caring for her brother refused to help for longer than that. Estelle returned home still swollen, with only partially healed sores. The next week, the clinic met with Estelle's father to see what we could do. I was clear that we would call the state to help with placement, but we preferred to wait until the child was healthy. We asked him to find someone who would care for her until she was cured. We said that we would provide her with food, diapers, and a small stipend. Eventually, he found a cousin who was willing to step up. Bianca's father may seem like a bad father to many. What father would give his child away? And he may be, I don't know him. But I have learned more and more that the choices families make in Haiti are usually logical, given the constraints they faced. He is a father. Each day, he was away from the house from sunup to sundown, trying to make a living. How could he watch the children? His job was to make money for the family, and his wife's job was to watch the children. This is not to say that this is the way it should be, or that it is the case in every Haitian household. For example, I know many where the woman both earns the money and cares for the children, but it was in this one. He felt that he could not care for the child by himself. Before we jump on the father, we again need to remember that in the United States, we were not dissimilar to this in the past, particularly in poor areas. If a wife died, the father would immediately try to marry again or send the child to live with an aunt. If not, children frequently ended up in orphanages. Edgar Allan Poe, Babe Ruth, and Alexander Hamilton all became orphans despite having living parents. In modern America, we have a safety net that helps avoid this, ranging from social workers to free schooling to prepared food to a foster system. And I'm not saying these methods are perfect, but at the very least, they do exist. At first, the cousin was unreliable. Every two weeks, I would have to send a health worker to her house to convince her to bring Estelle down to the clinic. Estelle's health went up and down. Two months ago, she developed ulcers all over her face from vitamin deficiencies. I wondered if I had made the situation worse. Was the cousin simply taking the food and not caring for her? Would she just ultimately become a restivec? Should I have put her in an orphanage? But slowly, I have seen the cousin take more responsibility. On the last visit, Estelle was doing much better. When Estelle giggled, I saw her cousin smile the smile of an invested caregiver. I do not know what will happen with Estelle when she is fully healthy. Perhaps we will need to put her in an orphanage. I've reached out to several organizations that attempt to keep families together by providing work, but they've told me that working with a family that lacks a mother is very challenging. In a country with tens of thousands of families in the same situation and limited resources, difficult choices must be made. They decline to take the case. I understand, having had to face similar constraints myself. So we will see. But in my heart of hearts, I hope that the time her cousin has spent with Estelle has created an attachment and that she can continue to care for her. We can only nudge the cousin, but that's my fervent prayer. Estelle, like all children, deserves an adult who cares for her. Thank you for listening. We would like you to know that we are simply telling stories as we have seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a fascinating history. 
and there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you and God bless.